Hello, everybody. Hello. Lately, we've received letters asking about what people in this country know and think about the various riddles scientists are working on. Well, for instance, the Bermuda Triangle. Well, for instance, unidentified the flying objects, various lake monsters, and last but not least, the so-called abominable snowman. So-called abominable snowman. Just by way of explanation, this so-called snowman. This so-called called Sasquatch in Canada, since that's what the local Indians first named the beings they claim to have come across for centuries. Well, for instance, the Bermuda Triangle. I know what I experienced. Unidentified flying objects. And there was this light flashing, uh, a white fluorescent light pulsating in the sky. And that's what this looks like, and it's pulsating. And it's just kind of freaky, <laughs> you know. It's, yeah, it's not lightning in just a single area like a strobe light would do. It's doing it to the whole horizon. Asking about what people in this country know and about what about the various riddle scientists are working on. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back. This is Rojan with another one of my solo installments of Stasis. This week we have Melissa Martell joining us, formerly of the Drawing Out the Spirits podcast. She has a new show now that she's running solo called The Secret Door Podcast. And I was sitting around, I was kind of bored, and I said, well, I don't want to drop another best of episode. So I got a hold of her and we just threw this whole thing very, uh, very impromptu, very much without any kind of planning. And I said, well, what do you want to talk about? She said, well, we've covered a topic on my show on my first episode called Paranormal Forerunners, which appears to be some kind of a Canadian um, Canadian folklorish tale for the most part. Um, it sounds similar along the lines of a banshee, but it's not. So we talk about that for a bit. We talk about shared consciousness. We talk about um, synchronicity, which is strange because a lot of our shows seem to go into that direction more and more lately. I'm not really sure why. Um, and we kind of just bounce all over the place. It was a lot of fun talking to her. Um, I think uh, I was on her show. I believe Lobo was, and she's been on here before. So it's always nice to have her back. She's just a really cheery, fun person to speak with. Anyways, uh, being that episode 300 drops next week, we still have time for some voicemail if you want to get them in. If you want to send some in, the phone number is 734-681-0459. We've even got a few people out there that have just recorded some MP3s and mailed them over to uh, projectarchivist at gmail.com. There's a lot of you people that I thought I would hear from, but I haven't yet, and there's a lot of people that I wasn't expecting to hear from that I heard from. So I do have a folder with all of these saved off to the side. When we open up episode 300, I'm going to drop all of those. If you want to call in and say, hey, this is you know one of my favorite moments from over the years, or this is one of my favorite shows, Shows, or uh, if you would like to sing a song, <laughs> as many of you have, uh, that would be great too. Anyways, um, I'm just going to drop the interview here, and we'll be seeing all of you guys later on next week. This is Rojan. Peace out from Detroit. All right, I am joined this week by Melissa Martell of the Secret Door Podcast. It's been a while since I talked to you. Well, I don't know. What's it been, like six months, seven months since I was on your old show, which was yeah. Drawing Out the Spirits? So, yeah, the old show. You were on talking about your black dog experience. Yes, that's right. Um, and then uh, I think I, I think we met through Soraya. I think me and you were on a couple of episodes of Where the Road Go Together, talking about yep. weird news stories or something like that. And I was like, wow, this chick's pretty cool. She's got a podcast. She knows what she's doing. I will bug her. And then I th is this the first time you've ever been on our show at all? Or 
No, I've I okay. I've been on your show before because you guys were you were like, oh my god, I need a guest, and I was like, oh come on. Okay, yeah, that's I can't right. Remember, I really don't remember what we talked about. I think it was very random. Yeah, I sh- I should remember that. I am a horrible host. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're coming. We've been doing this for going on eight and a half, almost nine years, and I'm I'm beginning to reach the point now where I've had guests on the show that I forgot that I've had on the show. And I've had people, you know, talk like, oh, yeah, I was on the episode, blah, 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 with you. And I'll be like, oh, yeah. And then inside my head, I'm thinking, did we have this guy on? What did we talk about? What what episode was that? So I'm... Just go with it. Just believe him. (laughs) Exactly. I'm I'm starting to get like, I'm like, wow, shit, we've been doing this for quite some time now. But um, yeah, your new show is uh, The Secret Garden. So um, No, no, no. Secret Door. The Secret Door. I keep wanting to say The Secret Garden. I don't know why I do that. It's probably because of the book. I'm I'm not a gardener, so there's no gardens. (laughs) So what is The Secret Door? Is this, where are you going with this one? And what's the difference between this and what you did before? Okay. So, well, what I did before, I did it with, um, with a co-host. So now I'm on my own until, I mean, unless I do find a co-host to come on. So, I mean, the whole point of secret door, it's, it's to engage people to, you know, open the door and look through to things about, you know, occult, paranormal, you know, the culture that surrounds that. And, and I'm vastly interested in human psychology and how human psychology manifests into the paranormal and the occult. So it's sort of about, I believe that, when you have a lot of these experiences that uh, most of the time there are really unique circumstances to paranormal experiences or occult experiences. And I like sort of looking at those elements that come together to create these experiences. So it's more about um, not just all the popular things out there and what happened. It's about people talking about their more intimate, personal, occult, religious, paranormal stuff and what elements happened and what was special at that point in time that came together to create your film, your experience, your book, your um, whatever it is that you have that's in those, that realm of that topic. Hmm. Have you uh, have you had a hard time finding guests yet or are you just, you know, you're <laughs> just dipping your foot in right now? So, well, I've dipped my foot in right now, but I mean, I've, I've got people like my first episode was me. I just thought, let's do an introduction episode. Then I had Gary Parsons on who came on and we talked about Dracula because it was the 122nd anniversary anniversary of the release of the novel Dracula. I talked to Gary Parsons because he's a film director and his father used to work for Hammer Horror and knew Christopher Lee. So Mm. that's my, is that my, that's my third, third episode where I'm talking to Gary and we're talking about a Dracula through some films. Now, obviously our, so we can't cut, I mean, I could have like 20 podcasts on Dracula alone. Mm -hmm. So we, it's a really, really quick overview, but we just go on that for the anniversary. And it was really fascinating to hear Gary's, you know, ideas. And I just released a podcast today talking to Ashley Thorpe. And now I, I mean, I could just go and talk about Borley Rectory, but in this podcast, instead of just talking about Borley Rectory, I bring Ashley Thorpe in because he created a film 
on Borley Rectory. Amazing film. They're trying to get it out on Blu-ray. It's been hitting a lot of the um, sort of film festivals right now, but it's like black and white done in like a 1920 style. There's lots of layers of animation and it goes through this narrative of what happened at Borley Rectory. It was just a fantastic film. So I thought, well, instead of talking about just Borley Rectory, let's bring this artist on and talk about his film and let him talk about Borley Rectory and what all the elements that came together to create his film. Cool. Yeah. So, where do you want to take us tonight then? Since I told you, uh, I was like, well, you want to come on? Sure. Let's talk about topics that you're familiar with. And you had brought up Paranormal Forerunners. Well, yeah, um, I said, well, in my first episode that I did as an introduction, I talked about Ghostly Forerunners. And it's... um, that's what it's called on the east coast of Canada, where I was born in, in New Brunswick. Um, I probably they have that folklore in other areas. They call it something different, like, um, I don't know, like um, a premonition or a, a, a warning. Uh, you know, it's, it's basically the appearance of a ghostly kind of figure or intangible set of, set of events that kind of serves as an omen or a warning of tragedy that's about to visit a family. So, so we're talking along the lines of, I have to say it, and everybody's going to say this, you're talking like something along the lines of a banshee or something along those lines. Well, you could be a banshee, but a lot like when I talked about it on my show, it was in like the person had seen their own father mm-hmm. as his own forerunner. So yeah, a, a banshee is a really popular for, we, you would call that a forerunner. Absolutely. So what other examples of that are other out there? Well, I think that you know you hear people and they're and they have like these synchronicities. Oh yes, I'm very familiar with that. (laughs) Yeah, and and someone will have just died. Like they could have it before, or -hmm. they could have it after. Someone could have like an experience where they're driving and they've just you know like they're like or they don't even know the person's died, and all of a sudden a, a song that's really old starts playing on the radio. Mm-hmm. And it's their this person's favorite song. And then like within half an hour, an hour, they get a phone call mm-hmm. saying that that person has passed away or something like that. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be a ghost that visits them. It could be a strange set of events that happens that is highly tied to that individual. And then they find out an hour later, whatever it is, the next day that that person died at that time that they heard that song or something like that. Um, I mean, in the, in the tale that I talked about... On, um, I was going to say, you wrote an article about this for a publication, correct? Mm-hmm, I did. I did. And um, I talked about it because it wasn't – I I never really said this on a publication, but it was actually exper- an experience from uh, a family member of mine. So, Do you want to tell the story here? Or? Yeah, we can. Okay. Yeah, Go ahead. Absolutely. So, well, what happened was this lady, she's um, telling me this. She's like – gosh in her 80s and uh she had told she told me quite a few paranormal stories that i collected and i wrote down because i thought you know what she's getting old this is really important to write this stuff down mm-hmm. so i i did it in the form of a a blog post and <clears throat> the family that she was in what i think it was in 1955 she had lost her brother um now her brother when she was three or four, her, her brother was a newborn and her mother had died and they all went to orphanages and her brother was adopted by an aunt of the family and they had to pretend that they weren't related to this brother. 
okay. all their lives. They had to pretend that he was really their child and they weren't related to him. And so they had to live this sort of lie. And when he, the, this brother of hers, Percy, was 13, he went out on a boat, boating trip that he wasn't supposed to go on with some guy who said, yeah, let's just go out on the water. And the guy was drunk, apparently. And um, he never came back. Nobody found him. Mm-hmm. And so I believe... Um, it was the year later. I mean, the her father, who um, willingly gave her her brother up when he was an infant because he couldn't take care of him by himself with all these kids, you know, had spent you know that whole season out by the beach looking for the body of his son, and no, his it was never recovered. And the next year, she, this woman who told me the story, was at her aunt, who was the mother of Percy, this boy that drowned. She was at her house, and they were talking about tarot cards and stuff because the aunt had been a card reader and a psychic type of thing. And they were sitting there. I'm going to see if I can get this right and not butcher the story. Um, and talking and having tea, and then suddenly... The aunt looked up and seen her father walking down the street and coming towards the house. And she said, oh, that's really weird. Like, your father's coming towards the house. And then they could hear his footsteps come up to the door. So this, the woman who told the story, she was, I, gosh, what, about 16 or 17 at the time? She got up to go open the door for her father because it was really weird for him to be there at this time because he should have been towards the city working. And she opened the, the door as she heard the footsteps come up. And when she opens the door, there's nobody there. There's nothing. And she's looking. They can't find anything. Mm-hmm. And so she comes back into her aunt She's very bewildered. She's like confused. And her aunt says, that's a forerunner. And she was like, well, what's that? And so the aunt explains that something bad's going to happen. And um, that was a forerunner. It's telling, it's an omen. It's telling us something bad's going to happen. So she was like, okay, well, whatever. And I guess, I don't know if it was a couple of weeks later. Um, she was with her dad and he had come home from the pub he had a few drinks. It was a little wobbly kind of thing. Um, but he went out. They had a little, little. I don't know if it was a mare or some type of horse out in the yard. Mm-hmm. I'm, more spe- I'm more specific about it in the article. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wrote that article some time ago, too, I believe. Yeah, it was, yeah it's been exactly. A while. Yeah. Exactly. But he's got this horse, and he's going to bring the horse in and deal with it. And he's not 100% sober, let's just say. And so the horse starts rearing its head around and and he kind of misses the horse and then it comes back and the horse's head strikes him in the head and knocks him back. And he just sort of, you know, God, this is in 1955, so he's an old timer and he just like, whatever, brushes it off and Mm -hmm. gets the horse away. Concussion? What's that? Bah, keep going. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, it turns out... Rub some dirt on it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, unfortunately for him, it turns out a few... A few days later, he collapses and he's with a huge headache and they take him to the hospital. And of course, there's a vein that's burst mm-hmm. and there was all this excess blood in his um, in his head and swelling in his brain. And it's 1955. They just don't have the technology. They're trying to do whatever they can, but he eventually dies. And her aunt tells her, I told you it was a forerunner and it was telling us. But the crazy thing was, is he died on the same day that the young boy went missing the day before. Mm-hmm. So it was it's it was all this sort of folklore and mysterious sort of 
stuff in the family and these omens and that people watch out for. And, you know, you can say, oh, how silly, but these are things that are in families that especially from old times before, you know, the rise of mass education technology that, you know, this is a a meaning. It can mean something to somebody like, wow, that isn't that strange that this all happened and this happened a year apart. But well, that's it's yeah. very that's very much the same as you hear, like we were talking about the banshee and stuff earlier. But these kinds of things are very common in like Irish folklore and, uh, you know, you know, European folklore where these things are carried over. And it seems like it's if it's if you ever watched the show American Gods, you know, if you've ever seen that or read the book yet. No, I haven't. <laughs> OK. The idea behind that show is, is that when all of these people immigrated from their countries over to America, they brought all of this folklore, their legends, their beliefs and things like that with them. And in the concept of the show, you see like um, you see all the folklore that they had over there and now manifesting over here, like the gods and the practices and all of these things. When they brought them over, they brought the, you know, the legends and the folklore immigrated with them. And therefore, it kind of transplants. Oops, I just smacked my hand on my light stand. But you, you, you see the um, you see the folklore kind of mutating and transposing and doing what it has to do to fit into the current culture of where it's at. Now, in America that I know of, we don't have any any forms of banshees or anything like that, I, that I've heard of. But you have a lot of this that well, you guys call it forerunners in Canada. But you have a lot of this folklore in Canada that's spread from <clears throat> from coast to coast through with you, with you guys. Well, you know, to be honest, I think it's mainly an East Coast concept and that the folklorist Helen Crichton she would have been in that time she wrote a book called blue nose ghost Mm -hmm. and she was one of the first she would um research folklore she did a lot of research and she's a woman in this time like probably in the 20s and 30s and 40s it like she was basically a, a pioneer because women didn't do this sort of stuff but she would um look at folklore and she would look at music and sounds and and she was trying to collect and gather music from the people in these small she was trying to get it from these small remote communities where if she didn't collect it it would be lost like some of these the people on the east coast of canada when they talk you can't really even understand necessarily what they say because they're they're speaking almost like irish or gay like acts like this is strange and so she's collecting she was collecting all this stuff and she i think she i could be mistaken but she coined that term forerunner i'm not sure people like you know when i was out here i went and presented the folklore podcast podcast sorry and a lot of people didn't even know at this convention i was at what folklore was they were like what's folklore and i was kidding me really yeah no i was shocked how could you not know what folklore is (laughs) it was it was a business group and they're like what's that so i don't think it's i think it's mostly an old east coast term but i feel it's worth discussing this idea um, and I and I always wonder, I'm like, is it because of technology that we don't do these stories and share these things? Like in my family, we even when I was little, we shared these, we told these stories and told this stuff and people just don't seem to be doing it anymore. And that's what I found admirable about Helen Crichton is that she was going and that's why I like podcasts because you're collecting stories, you're collecting experiences. And I, I that's what I want to do with my podcast because, you know, it's. It's See, I don't know if I agree lost. with you on that, though. Like, a few years ago, I would have agreed with you on that. But with mm-hmm. the pr- proliferation of paranormal television, 
you know, it all started on the Sci-Fi Channel, which you guys, I think you guys call that space up in Canada. You, mm -hmm. you had the Ghost Hunter show. And when Ghost Hunters popped on, everybody latched onto that. And mm -hmm. it became, you know, after that, it was, yeah. like, oh, I got to come up with the next but Ghost Hunting show. That's not really what, I don't think that's what I'm talking about. I don't think I'm talking about Ghost Hunting. I think I'm talking about orality. Where people share old time stories and folklore myths around a campfire. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I, yeah. Up until, well, even still now with the proliferation of the internet, you know, uh, that was another thing. Because like, the, the paranormal on the internet was, was big before this stuff started hitting on television. I think that's kind of where it all sprouted out from. Because you'd find these websites all over the place that, like, this is our haunted, you know, haunted locations in different cities and things like that. And it was still kind of an underground thing but there were stories being shared out there and stuff but you mm -hmm. would find the local urban legends and things like in the states maybe you guys have it over there too there's the there's every every city and town out in the sticks always have the legend of the car with the railroad tracks where if you go up to the car the railroad tracks and you put your car in neutral or something mm -hmm. like that that the kids that were killed in a, a bus crash or lovers that were killed in a car crash the story's always a little bit different but generally the idea is that the spirits of these people will push your cars off of See, the tracks the difference about that to me that is like a teenage dare kind of uh -huh. oh go do that this this story when i'm talking to this little this little old lady this is a story from long gone ago and it's mm -hmm. an experience it's it's a fleeting subtle experience that she had that will never happen again mm -hmm. and it's related to this concept of of a forerunner that can happen in your family it's intimate it's specific to your family nobody else can show up and and on this railroad like in your house and have this experience it's 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 something but it's it's a concept that can happen to people and i mean there's nothing you, you can't prove it you can't go to a railroad track and see if it pushes your car and yeah uh, you can't go and ghost hunt it. It's 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 like, a phenomenon that happens yeah, specific to your family yeah. and for that event at the time. Yeah, and and it is, and it's 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 like a fleet in the mist, and it's it's almost like it's telling you of something that they already know is written in the cards. So and it's psych. It could be psychically done. It could be that. I don't know exactly how families pass this on. Is there something psi or ESP? I think it's much more subtle than um, let's go for a thrill ride to the railroad tracks and see if someone pushes our car or see yeah. if the hooked man comes out or see if the ghost light chases us. <laughs> By curiosity, did you know the, the ethnicity of the woman? Like, do you know where her family immigrated from? Was she Irish, yeah, Scottish or, you know, English, English, Irish, Scottish, they would have been English primarily with some Scots there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there, yeah, her side of the family and her husband was would have been Irish. So, do you know if they had other experiences in their family like this that's passed on through like a lineage or something like that? Yeah, because because I'm related to them. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of things like um, there was one other relative that was in that family through marriage, and they had the farmhouse and. They had trouble with knocks on the walls. So they would think that knocks sometimes could be forewarnings. That knocks could be... Um, um, uh, Great. There's there's knocking on the walls and something bad's going to happen. Great. No, no, yeah, well, there's knocks and it's like, who's trying to communicate with us? Mm -hmm. And so it's it could just be them being paranoid and afraid of unknown. There could be a total logical explanation for the knocks, mm -hmm. but it's this idea that they believe this, but 
what I found interesting about her story was that they actually visually saw this person and he was in the city at the time. He was nowhere near. Mm-hmm. That was confirmed before, like they asked him where he was and he was working. And people people may not understand this, but um, like we drive everywhere and take buses. I mean, her father would have walked everywhere in the city. You know, they didn't have most people didn't have cars even in the fifties. A lot of people wouldn't have driven, so it wasn't like he was just bouncing from one end of the city to the other <laughs> quickly. Have you found any instances of stories like this still happening in modern times right now? Well, I, I have heard of people being forewarned or having visions of things through relatives or seeing some kind of accident where, and then they learned that it happened. Um, my own mother, oh gosh, this was, I can't, oh, this is coming to my mind. I can't believe I'm remembering this. In the, <laughs> in the late 80s, um, my mother was in a video store. Those were the days where blockbuster uh, video wow what a difference it, it was before god it was before <laughs> blockbuster wow, like it would have okay. like 88 we didn't like she would have been in some kind of local video store and she started hearing her brother's voice calling for her and she looked around and she said to one of her relatives that she was with like hey did you call my name and they, the relative was like no you're going nuts you're kind of losing it my mom was like no no I literally heard somebody calling my name and it sounded like my brother but like he's out on the west coast playing with his band like what what's going on so she she had a couple of other things that weird strange things that happened she was a little bit uneasy about it but she was like mm, you know what I'm just being silly you know we blow it off and we have like a logical explanation which isn't always bad mm-hmm. to have a logical explanation for things logic is is good but in this instance about two days later she it was wee hours in the morning and she gets a call she opens she picks up the phone and it's the a surgeon in a hospital on the west coast and he's saying look your brother's here he was at a club he was playing like they explained to her he's been shot some wow. drug dealer was in the car. We he might die. We don't know if we can save him. He called your name out and told us to call you. Hmm. Instead of the mother, he said he didn't want his mother to know. He gave. He said specifically asked for you, and he was calling your name out. So we're calling you, and we will call you, and let you know if he's dead or alive. Fortunately, he lived. But I would say that's some kind of strange premonition, or I would say I'd call that a forerunner. I think she would too. Yeah, like um, a time dilation for the most part or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, I, I think it happens between, I think it's more likely to happen between people who are closely related or closely connected. I think that's the key to it. Yes. I, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Um, I've often had a theory like that um, in my discussions about empathy and things like that. When you're, it seems like when you're around certain people, it's kind of like people are transmitters and receivers. Um, like when you're around, if you're around your husband or your brother or your mom, like mom, moms and daughters, are, it's, especially, uh, it's especially strong with, it seems to be really strong with mothers and daughters and to an extent mothers and sons as well. But it seems to be more prominent with women where mm-hmm. you just get premonitions about things or you're emotionally tied in some way. Um, and I've heard many stories about this where something, somebody gets hurt or somebody dies and somebody knows about it or something or somebody dies in, a, in an accident or something like that and they know about it. Um it's the tie 
then how that tie works that's the curiosity to me of of, of what how that happens because i've heard stories like this before where people will, will reach out or they'll get a premonition of something that's going to happen long before it actually does very similar so they get a you know like a message or something like that from a person before they die um where time is kind of like uh what's the term that uh, they use in doctor who twisty timey wimey wibbly wobbly yeah, or something yeah, along those lines. yeah timey yeah. wimey yeah exactly yeah. so well, it's, it's, it's almost like there's some sort of um a skip speed and yeah. you can see ahead of it and it you're just getting a a, a jolt of what it is mm-hmm. before it happens and either that or things are pre-written i don't know <laughs> that's that see that's what bugs me like you don't I, like I, that idea? <laughs> no, it's not that. I, I had I had an experience once. I've probably told this on the show, but I had an experience once where I was unloading. We'd gone grocery shopping, and I was unloading my minivan from groceries. And then for whatever reason, most of the stuff that happens to me, I've usually got some kind of a, a skeptical way or a logical way to explain. That's the first place my mind goes. Anything happens like, okay, it's probably this, this, or this. The going paranormal woo-woo is very far at the end of the spectrum. But I was, we were unloading the van uh, with groceries, and it just seemed like time went out of sync. Now, old-time listeners, have heard, old-time listeners of the show have heard me tell this story where I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, it was just kind of like... I knew everything that was going to happen a few seconds before it was going to happen. Like, hey, a car is going to come around that corner. A bird's going to fly over there. That's going to happen. And it was very, very unsettling because you knew what was coming, but you couldn't do anything to change the interaction of what was going to happen. It didn't last very long. It was extremely uncomfortable. Like, my daughter comes out and she's like, are you all right, Dad? And as she was going to, I wanted to say, are you all right, Dad? Because I knew she was going to say it, but I couldn't get the words out in time. It was a situation like that. And then everything just fell right back into sync again. But it was uncomfortable because it was kind of like, it was kind of like I was seeing things in real time, for lack of a better term. Or I was on, it's like being on a ride on rails when you're going through the fun house on the fun house car and everything's happening around you, but you can't really interact with it. So it gave me this really strange impression of like, everything is going to happen the way it's going to happen, whether or not I want it to. I'm just, I'm on the ride. And I got to step back and see the ride as it was happening. Does that make any sense, as I'm known for saying? <laughs> it, it does. Uh, like, uh, it, to- it totally does. So I've never, but hopefully it never, ha- I've, it felt like it lasted for five minutes. I'm sure it didn't last that long at all, but it was extremely uncomfortable Well, to a sense time, of like, what the hell is going on here? You know, Time could have slowed down. That's why it felt so long. Like, I know I've been in an accident before where um, I knew my car was going to drive into something before it did slip on it slipped on something last minute but I knew it was going to happen before it did I just had this flash and I grabbed onto the steering wheel really tightly and when it happened was Jesus take the wheel playing in the background I'm just curious no No, I'm kidding go ahead (laughs) (laughs) well it was me and my son was just a year old in the back and we were it was 110 kilometers I don't know how many miles that is like 80 miles I'm American I'm completely dumb yeah like like 80 80 miles miles an hour yeah yeah, like 80 and then I was going like way slower but the the ice the black ice still grabbed my tire it pulled me over but I saw it before it happened and I gripped that hat I just said okay I for some reason I just put my hands tight lock on the steering wheel didn't let it go held it straight and all of a sudden my car got lurched to into the barrier the cement barrier in the middle and it smashed me and instead of counter steering and going all crazy I just grabbed my steering wheel and I had held it tight let my foot off the gas and didn't press anything and so it smacked it a couple times it felt like it was going to try and flip 
my car, but because I didn't counter steer or jam on the brakes or jam on the gas and I had held the steering wheel straight so my tires didn't go crazy, it eventually just slowed the car down and let me go to a stop. And then like four other cars hit that spot after me and flipped and went into the friggin' ditch and had all problems. But for some weird reason, I had this like before it happened, I saw it happen. I grabbed the steering wheel. I knew like I was told, grab the steering wheel, hold it. And when it happened, it was like so, so it felt like it took forever. It was so bizarre. Yes, time and dilations it, yeah. are weird like that. Exactly what you're saying. It, ta- it takes forever for it to happen, but it only happens like in a fraction of a second. Yeah. It's like your brain switches switches into a different mode to be yeah. able to process what is happening. Um, yeah. Things like that when they happen, like when it's it's almost like it's it's deja vu, but to the next level. There's no real way to yeah. describe it unless you but, have. And for me personally, it's extremely irritating and and uncomfortable as it's happening because it's like, yeah, okay, what do I, what the hell? You know, it's it's yeah. really bizarre. Well, this um, forerunner experience though with this um with this woman was flawless. There was none of that. It was like they look up, there he is. He's walking up. He looks like normal Joe, normal whatever. You know, I think the, I think his nickname was Brick. That's what they would call him. And he's coming up the the walkway, and they were like, oh, like it was natural. They just go to let him in, and he's not there. It was like a wisp of him, and then he was gone. And that left this really. They were pretty. The aunt, especially the great aunt, would be my great aunt or great great something great cousin i can't remember how it is twice removed she, sisters, cousins, yeah, she, aunt, yeah. she was really on edge for a while my grandmother just blew it off or yeah it, it's like they just blew it off and she was really on edge and so um it, it was bizarre and this person was like the story that experience haunted her for the rest of her life now i gotta go back to your mom and ask about your mom and your brother with the video store thing and everything like that um since he made it through have you um did you ever talk to him about any of that or have you, have you ever had the chance to say hey do, do you remember calling out do you remember anything on your end when when that happened no no and you know one of the things was is um he's <laughs> I doubt he'll ever listen to this podcast, but he's actually really era. I, he just was a very, when we got him back from, he's my mother's brother. When we got him, he got back and he came to stay with us. He was a very difficult, he was always a difficult, spoiled, the little narcissist of the family. So he was just a really difficult little asshole when he got back. And, you know, ran the house like a tyrant and no one could wait to get rid of him. So I knew, I was like, who gives a shit? It might have been this, like, I think that's funny because that happens and you have this this thing where you're like, oh, my God, and you realize how that this person's in your family and you don't want them to die. But he, I don't think, he might have had some sort of thought while it was happening. I don't know. He might have had some intense thought while it was happening. He's never said anything about that, because, but no one's ever asked him because he's a difficult person to deal with in real life because everything has to be about him no matter what. And so it can be overwhelming because to deal with somebody where everything's his and don't touch my stuff and, and it's it's an unfair sort of it's like you're, you've got a permanent, you know, 14-year-old, even though they're like 30, 40, 50. So I would have never even thought to engage with him in this kind of question because he's just too shallow and narcissistic generally. But I wouldn't doubt that in a time of trauma, that could be 
you know, but I've never asked him that. My mom's never asked him that. I think that was confirmation enough for her. I'd be curious, um, is he a person or was he a person that's fairly grounded in the now? Like the idea of something like this happening outside of the realm of the norm would be something he'd have a hard time to accept? No, or would I, it be just, uh, oh, yeah, of course I did. Blah, 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 you know? Um, well, that's the other thing, too. Um, I think he's a musician. So if you say that's the other thing, if you say something like that to him, if it involves attention, I don't know, you know he might go with it. Hmm. whether or not he had it I, I don't know like I wouldn't ask him now because that was 30 31 years ago I mm-hmm. wouldn't ask I wouldn't ask him now because I would say yeah that's a little bit f- too far removed mm-hmm. yeah hmm. so do you know of any other stories off the top of your head of, of things in you know in Canadian culture that are like this that you can come up with well if not, I have another follow-up question in regards to no, paranormal. No, go, go ahead. You can ask <laughs> it. I, I mean, I can find some more stories here, but you can ask your follow-up um, question. So, since you were, are um, you are very Canadian, boy, that sounds bad. I don't mean to put it that way. <laughs> what does that mean? But um, well, you are you're a student of the paranormal, and you've been researching a lot of this stuff because you've had your podcast and you've been in this for a while. Being that you are in Canada, do you see a difference in how these things are viewed up there as opposed to us down here in the states? The way it's treated, the 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 legends that this stuff comes from, you know, along those lines, is it is it looked at differently mm-hmm. up there? I I would say a lot of can a lot of Canadians were probably mimicking a lot of those. Um, paranormal shows or investigations which drives me insane that's unfortunate yeah i would say that (laughs) i would say when i'm talking about helen creighton that's old school that's i look to her because i find it a little more educational a little more um valuable i you know I would say, I mean, there's ghost walks and stuff like that around town but i would say a lot of people who get into this um, I mean, we have a podcast running from Canada called the Ghost Story Guys, and they're pretty good. They run a ghost. Uh, one of them runs in a ghost walk um, in Victoria, but their stories that they write, I don't. I, I they're really great guys. I really like them. But the stories that are told on their walks are not told like they're they're told for enter, uh, a lot for of spooky purposes for, to accentuate yeah. the ghost walk yes. yeah so there's a lot of loopholes historically in the whole in the stories so they don't really add up but they 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 give a really good uh, entertainment folklore and i think I, I i really that's happening here on the west coast we mm-hmm. got we got the ghost story guys i like them they're a really good podcast but you know the walking tours They'll, they'll, you know, I've been on their walking tours. They'll say, stand here and rub your hands together and you create this energy and that's the energy. And it's, it's, it's too, it's too, it's too, too woo woo for you. Yeah. It's just even woo woo. It's like, well, that could be easily explained by science. So, yeah. um, I don't, I don't, think that, I don't really, if I, I don't think that's, I, if I were going to go to somebody and ask how psychic stuff happens, excuse me, <laughs> I'm just sneezing. It would probably be someone like Dean Radin or something who's doing some really intensive or like I like the idea of, um, oh, what's that guy? Um, the name is missing my brain. It's um, Rupert Sheldrake. 
Have you heard of him where he does? Not off the top of my head. I, I completely admit that I've actually, I tried to disassociate, not because I'm a snob or anything like that, but I've really tried to disassociate myself from a lot of current paranormal because it it's just not going anywhere for me to learn anything new. Like, I pay attention to Cutchin and stuff like him because those are people that are taking the stuff into different directions and are approaching it with a different mindset. But your stereotypical, you know, ghost hunting shows and things like that, or the people that are walking around with EVP meters, it's like, yeah. oh, okay. I mean, that's not who I'm talking about, although I might have one on my show soon, because he went into um, that famous location. He was just in that, um, oh, shit, can't remember. Sorry, swear word. Oh, Anyways, okay, go ahead. Rupert, say, that's how you want. <laughs> Rupert, Rupert Sheldrake is, um, he's um, a researcher. They say he researches in the field of parapsychology, but he's actual science. He studied at University of Cambridge, and he has this concept of morphic resonance. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And no, it, uh, explain it to me. Well, even if even not, even okay. people that are listening might not know, so go ahead. Okay, I'm going to look up morphic resonance. According to the theory developed by Rupert Sheldrake, a paranormal influence in by which a pattern of events or behavior can fi- facilitate subsequent occurrences of similar patterns. So that's really um, a little bit too... Um, so basically, it's a process whereby self-organizing systems inherit a memory from previous similar systems. In its most general formulation, morphic resonance means that the so-called laws of nature are more like habits. The hypothesis of morphic resonance also leads to a radically new importation of the memory storage in the brain and of biological inheritance. So you're inheriting memories from other people. Uh, memory need not be stored in material traces inside the brain, which are more like TV receivers than video recorders tuning into influences from the past that's what i said earlier kind of yeah yeah Yeah. biological inheritance need not all be coded in the genes or in epigenetic modifications of the genes much of it depends on morphic resonance from previous members of the species so you inherit stuff from previous members of the species but you're also able to tune in to current people and know when people are coming home because you're 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 connected so I always like that concept. Like I, I just find his studies of morphic resonance really fascinating. I kind of feel like I need to smoke a joint to be able to fully grasp what you just said. <laughs> well, well, yeah, smoke a joint. But my, God knows Rupert, Rupert Sheldrake does. <laughs> um, but like, what it is is like, okay, you know how when a cat or a dog knows that you're coming home, regard like it doesn't even necessarily mean that. It's because you come home at that time every day. It's like 10 or 15 minutes before their owner comes home. They will start doing different. They 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 literally get ready for that person to come home, mm-hmm. whether it's a planned or a regular thing or a totally sporadic or random. And I, he's talking to this as everyone say, nah, it's just there's nothing to it. But he's saying, yeah, yeah my there brain is immediately goes to, to about 15 skeptical explanations for that. But go ahead. Yeah, well, he's he's done. Well, he's done some tests on it. So he he's not just saying, yeah, this is how it is. But he's like and woo, woo, woo. He actually has some um, the presence of the past. Um, morphic resonance and the habits of nature. He's got a couple of books, but he he really speaks to this idea where there's some kind of communication happening beyond just you shared know consciousness shared. Well, it could be, but it's it's beyond just learn. You learn that someone comes home at three o'clock, so you get ready all the time. Uh-huh. There there's something going on because it happens even before. It happens even at random times where owners don't normally go out. It also happens like people 
I've, I've had this happen to myself as well, where I'm just, I literally start thinking of someone I haven't talked to for years. And I've not, I'm like, wow, why am I thinking of this person? And literally within an hour, half an hour, suddenly they've either messaged me or they start calling me. And I'm like, that's bizarre. What synchronicities? Well, and, uh, but he's, he's, you say synchronicities, but he's actually trying to, he has a theory of it. Um, scientifically where there's something that's happening between those two individuals. It's not just, oh, that's a synchronicity, walk away. It's like, well, no, there's something actually in a field happening in some sort of way. I, I don't entirely understand it, but I find it really fascinating that he's got this idea where um, you're inheriting memories from previous system, which would explain why we have... Um, better um, test results over generations because generations are actually inheriting stuff, inheriting information from us. They don't even have to learn certain things. They're actually inheriting it from us. So you're speaking about inherited subconscious memories then too. Does does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, he's speaking to that, but he's also speaking to some sort of connection where you, um, you're, you, you know, the people's thoughts before it happens because you're connected. Yeah, we've, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't, he's, I don't call, know. he's calling it a different name. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I've, I've, I, I've reached into that subject before a few times and when I do it sometimes bites me in the ass. So I got to be real careful about it because I don't want to, I don't want to stir the cage, um, especially right now. But, um, <laughs> I'm very cautious about where I want to take those topics because it's just something that I, I just don't like or want to deal with most of the time. But, um, as far as with the inherited memory thing or shared memories with people or shared dreams and things like that. Yeah. I know where you're coming from. Cause well, uh, I would, I would just t- say to your users, it's a, like, it's a lot morphic residents and resonance morphic fields is way more complicated than I can ever explain it. I yeah. am no person who's graduated from Cambridge. So I would just say type in Rupert Sheldrake and morphic resonance. And if you're interested, it's like quantum emotional entanglement. Yeah. yeah <laughs> There's yeah, another thing to smoke a joint on. I can't I can't I can't tell you what it's all about because I'm below that level. So you don't <laughs> have this kind of thing happen to you all the time then. Um well I like I yeah I mean um, when I had a cat that cat like my ex-husband would sit there and go god why the cat knows when you're coming home. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter like oh absolutely every time. I have a feeling it has something to do with intense emotional like it has to be like I said before with all these uh, forerunners and stuff. It's an intense emotional connection. I I think emotions have something to do with um poltergeist activity like intense emotional projection like there's it's something about intense human emotional attachment or intense mm-hmm. human emotional projections. So have you had this happen? Well, you are, you already talked about the thing with the car. Um, mm-hmm. You've talked about your thing with your cat, though. But have you had other things like this happen in your life where you just kind of wrote them off or anything like that? Or is anybody in your family other than your mom had stuff like this? Is this something that reoccurs in your family all the time? Am I asking too many questions at one time? Paper no, or plastic? Does this dress make me look fat? Oh, <laughs> no, you look beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> all good just usually i edit that kind of stuff out of the show but i'll leave that in this time (laughs) smoke a joint put your dress on (laughs) and get into morphic resonance (laughs) yes exactly um uh you know what i probably i i've probably had it more times than i can count but it's sometimes it seems really natural now like it's just like oh yeah i knew that was gonna happen it's like when 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 relationships come to an end it's almost like a new long before 
I was like, oh, that like, yeah, whether it's a friendship or something, I'm like, yeah, I saw, I saw that happening. Okay. Um, it's the same thing. Like, um, I mean, I knew when my grandfather died, like long before, I mean, I knew he was sick for a long time, but you never know the exact point of death, but you, you know, like you're, you, you just know you're like, oh, he's gone. And then you get a phone call 20, 25 minutes later. I didn't see anything, but I just knew. Do you think that more that certain people are more prone to this kind of thing? That certain people are more in tune than others, or because I've always kind of had that feeling myself. Or there's certain there's just I don't want to use the term sixth sense because that sounds very generic or what have you. But I just get this impression that certain people are are plugged into certain aspects of this in certain ways more than others. Yeah, or are more self aware. Maybe I don't know. I I would think. Um, pe- there's people who are just more easy at, um, to pick it up. I mean, if I, if you're gonna if you explain everything away logically, then um, then I guess that's what you do. I, I would definitely think that. And I've always wondered if the rise of technology has something to do with uh, people experiencing this type of um, like. In this one article I have explains this sort of forerunner, it explains it quite clearly as um, orality, oral folklore. And we don't, we don't necessarily do that with our family members. We don't sit around and tell stories before on Christmas Eve or tell things with each other anymore. We're always busy. It's an app. Um, we're not really looking at each other anymore. We don't necessarily talk. So I'm wondering if the reason this happens less is because technology and the way that life has formed uh, is just doesn't permit it to happen. I've, I, I, that, well, everybody's always living in the now because that's all they have time for. And if they need to stretch outside of that, they've got an app on their phone or something like that. I think, I think if I'm on an app and doing all this stuff and whatnot, and I'm not talking to somebody and, and my family, we don't sit down and have a meal and we don't talk about something and we don't tell stories anymore. Then I think that might dull that ability. And I just, I just think it's, it's, it's about habit and practice and we don't tell these stories to each other. We just don't do it. And I think it has something to do with technology. One of my favorite things to do, and I have a couple of friends that I do this with now, even if we have to do it through a cell phone or something like that, is this thing of, of just sitting around lighting up a fire and just sitting around and talking. And as you said, telling stories and connecting with people. Now I've got some friends that, you know, they live, they live on the other side of the country or what have you, but it's kind of weird because they'll light up their fire on their fire pit and I'll light up my fire in my fire pit. And that's what we do. We just sit around and talk and we tell stories, you know, when we, we converse and communicate and we tell things back and forth. But even when you get a group of people together and you sit down and you sit, you know, just, there's just something about sitting around a fire and just talking, which, you know, it's not just turn the computers off. Let's turn the phones off. Or what have you, and just conversing and 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 like this sharing knowledge or this you know this personal thing that just it doesn't really happen anymore. And for me, it's one of my favorite things. It's like you don't um, you know even even when people sit down at the dinner table anymore, you can't really there's there's not a lot of bonding between people anymore. And if there is bonding, it's through an app or or through messenger or or something like that. You know, I don't think people really talk that much or as much as they should anymore. And I'm. I'm totally, I'm totally guilty of it too with my son. 
<laughs> yeah, it, I just yeah. don't. People don't co- connect on a spiritual level, and I, I don't mean like a spiritual like God level like that, but on a spiritual person to person level or something. There's just something to be said about yeah. people getting together and just talking and sharing stories and well, talking about their lives or what have you. Yeah, and and you're a little bit more vulnerable when you do it that way, like around yeah. the fire and stuff, and you're less vulnerable. Like with my son, um, like I, like we used to go we when we go to a restaurant, and he was little. We would we wouldn't just sit there on our phones. We didn't, you know, phones were away, and we just sit there and play I Spy or What's the Color or What Comes to Your Mind. And I'd say a word, and he'd say the first word. Come like we'd have all these little games and stories, things. We don't do that anymore. It's like totally no. It's all technology and computers, and doesn't want to talk. So uh, it takes like it takes like a lot of um, patience. And I, you know, on Mother's Day, I got him to do it again. <laughs> and when yeah, we were it's out worse for dinner. so for the younger generation. Yeah. Like, fortunately, it is really bad. My daughters, uh, you know, one of my daughters, it's it's the same way with her. She really likes to get people over here and have a fire and just sit around for an hour and a half and and just talk to her friends or whatever or go camping or something like that. And just you know, she really like she tries to push away the phone and the technology and That's she good. left Facebook and all those kinds of things, you know. And I'm wondering if like like millennials, this millennials that, but I'm wondering if at some point the pendulum is going to go back the other way and people are going to start leaving this kind of stuff and start connecting together again like well, we used to. I think he got something there because my son won't go on Facebook and there's a lot of Facebook might be in a little bit of a mm-hmm. a trouble because I think. Well, it's no secret. I wouldn't be there now if it wasn't for the show. I, I, I kind of want to just like cut myself off from that whole part of the world, but I'm there just for the people who listen to my show and for the web page and uh, for the Facebook page but otherwise I don't I don't like putting pictures of myself up anymore I try not to engage that much anymore because it's just uh it's just a weird programming but go I ahead. have some I have some friends on there that I talk to but otherwise like I just I'm there to talk to people about the show and this kind of content but even on Facebook if I post something nobody has any really you know grand discussions which is i mean why i said to everyone like you know come and listen to the show come to the website subscribe to the newsletter and stuff like that because facebook you know it's basically just a place for me to update on what's going on and where you can find the show yeah it's like i use it now to hook up with guests or talk to you know certain people and things Mm -hmm. and that's really about all it anymore and like lobo my co-host he just up and left and deactivated his account he's like no i'm done i'm just done now and i'm like oh well, I guess I'm kind of stuck here now because I got to keep the kids from jumping on the bed, you know? <laughs> so. Well, you know, I did. It's it's can be bad and I'm guilty. I'm guilty of being like, blah, because I think the other thing that social media has done, it, it hasn't just disconnected us from telling these little th- stories and being quiet enough in our, to, to have these little experiences and to have spirits or to have something tell us of, of a forewarner mm-hmm. or to even for us to get into that imagination, like nothing spooks us out anymore. Anymore. like like everybody wants jump scare horror movies that you know those aren't even scary those are gross like they, they, they there's this settled and subtleness to scary tales and sitting around the fire but like with um um facebook and stuff i think it's specifically and we're going way off tangent but i think it's engineered to um divide us and create a um severe political spectrums to and keep a conversation going in some way shape or form um, it's, it's to keep people interested it's kind of like the new you know yeah it's, i've to noticed keep people that people pissed off and angry more than anything and yeah. I'm, I'm trying to avoid it but i find it really hard even i go what the hell screw you and i'll I'll tell someone to screw off. Like, I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. 
I, I, I've gone in where I've just trimmed like my Facebook page down. You know, I've just trimmed my stuff down. And when I do post stuff, it's very blase, whatever. Like today I posted I was building mini bikes at my job or whatever and stuff like that. But I don't go on there and express political views anymore or anything like that. I try to stay away from all that stuff. I try to just post funny stuff for the most part yeah. and be positive. But if, if there's somebody out there that's poisonous or causing bad vibes or whatever you want to call it, okay, well, you know, I'll either unfollow yeah. them or, you know, do what I've got to do. I- I think it's going, I think it's going to reduce who, I mean, this is all, we think it's like normal, but this is all still very new. Oh yeah. Yes. It's all like 10, 12 years. Like it's all really new. We have no idea where it's going or what it's going to do. I do think that it's um, shifted and changed the way we actually interact and do things. Like it's, it's, and I don't think we have a clear concept of how much it has. I think it's vast more than we know. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. I'll agree with you there. I have no problem agreeing with that at all. <laughs> but, I mean, then I say, like, I wouldn't be on here. I wouldn't be connecting with people at the same time. Yeah, it it's, has its uses. It's just yeah, it's it like any its other uses. tool. It's how you want to use it and and what you well, want to do with it. You know, it's, it's, also, it's also how they engineer it. Like, they specifically do the coding and I've I was reading an article on this where Facebook does coding to re- delay like it doesn't matter how fast your internet is when you have like um that bell up there that says you have all these notifications Facebook makes it delay a few seconds be- before it pulls down to give you the notifications when you click to mimic pulling the handle on like a a slot machine in Vegas kind of thing so they're trying to mimic like you're getting this rush. It's a very they're creating a very addictive habit. And you're like, what do I got? What do I got? <laughs> What's going to be there? Like they're actually creating this delay that mimics that. So I don't think it's innocent. I think it's constructed. And people in Facebook have actually X people have actually sort of alluded to that. And so I, I don't think it's by mistake. I think it's by design. Yeah, I see a point where eventually that's going to it's i'm actually kind of surprised because before facebook it was myspace you know Mm -hmm. so everything runs its course and everything has its time and you know you 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 kind of are seeing it die off now especially after the last election we had over here where so much done was so much stuff was done to engineer people opinions and and thoughts and to steer people in different directions where i'm noticing the younger generation going you know what maybe i shouldn't trust this maybe i shouldn't do this maybe i should be more careful i don't want well here in our defense i don't think we had any clue where it was going to go when facebook started out we were like oh our friends put some pictures on isn't this fun i don't yeah i agree we didn't have a clue like i had no idea when i started like i had like what 20 friends or something like now i have like like gotten like 46 four thousand or so i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't think we had a clue what they were engineering it for they might have eventually along the way and i think they'll go out kick i think it'll get worse before it just dies (laughs) well from what i understand it's it's dying off now but you know again though i mean the only thing really useful like if anybody local i'll use messenger to contact hey what are you doing tonight you want to go out to get something to eat or something like that oh it's another communication tool from person to person but if I go on to a main Facebook page and try to talk to something, I'll just call them or I'll message them on my yep. phone or whatever. I don't use it for that purpose. Yeah. But it's kind of like you have to sit back and watch what's going on to, but for me, I kind of have to be here because I need it for the show. I exactly. need it for, for guests and to contact authors and to let people know, Hey, the new episode's out. And I, I rather do like to interact with a lot of my listeners. Most of the listeners that we have, a vast majority of them are very cool, very nice people. And I've made some really good friendships through this 
through going this way. Um, likewise, I've, I've met some real douchebags and okay, you're done moving on, you know, <laughs> yeah. cut you, cut, we'll cut you from the vine here and just keep on going. But, uh, going back to what I was saying though, that's when you mentioned communication, that's become the communication. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 but you there's something missing. There's yeah. something severely missing there's like that a, a soul or like a, a warmth to it or something that's just not there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and it's we're connected uh, in a different way and it's not the way that's the most healthiest for us to be connected. Sometimes. Yeah, it doesn't feel organic when you when you if you just submerge yourself completely into the digital world or what have you. It, it's this yeah. it's it, it's like plastic. It's not real. It's not. Which you is know. I mean, I know I'm doing the podcast electronically. But mm -hmm. I mean, my idea is to, I mean, encourage people to tell stories or even, even if, I mean, I think it's better that we come on talk one-on-one -on -one than it is for me to type something on Facebook sometimes. Yeah. I can't, mm -hmm. I, after a certain point, it's like, listen, just come on my show and we'll have a conversation that way or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like, this is, this is okay. Great. You're telling me this stuff, but unless, you know, I want to, I want to ask you questions and get this information out there. You know, I want to have an interaction here instead of just. It's like when somebody sends you this super long text on your phone, you're like, Jesus, just just fucking call me, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Short questions, do you need milk? Are you going to be around later, blah, blah? Sure, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But if, if you're going to send me, you know, four paragraphs of stuff, just just freaking call me, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Let's have a conversation. Yeah, I don't want to be like, oh, you know, just, well, just talk to me. I don't want to have this, you know, it's like, oh, whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I think, so. and the one thing, uh, getting back to the sort of folklore and forerunners that I think the reason it was strong in on the East Coast is because the East Coast is older than the West Coast. Obviously, it was it would have been like in the 1600s, which over in Europe they laugh, but that's old for us. Um, it would you know we would have had uh, people living there and houses being built and old Victorians by the 1800s. So I think there's a lot to say to um, those habits and and traditions that have happened in and that's, that's why, why a lot earlier. of my stories come from older people or like I do have vague memories of it being in the 80s living in an old Victorian like those I have vague memories but it was really dying out still by then that's why I asked you earlier about you know do you see paranormal and this strangeness being different in Canada that isn't over here in the United States because your history is different your the immigrations that you have is different the your languages and things like that evolved I still differently. think we have the similar similarity where the East is older than the West. Mm -hmm. Like in terms of colonization, it would have taken time. And Canada and the U.S., people may not know this, but Canada built a railway across from the East Coast to the West Coast trying to uh, colonize that part of Canada so they could beat out the United States mm -hmm. <laughs> because there was this whole like challenge because the United States had split from Britain and Canada was still loyal to the crown. So they were building that railroad like crazy trying to claim the land so America wouldn't get to it first. So that's actually prompted Canada out to the west coast and for america it's like the wild wild west it was wild and crazy it's still it's older but it was still not as old as you know m you know the first people landing on the east coast hmm. well we've uh, been going at this for about an hour now so um 
go ahead and put anything out there that you want to put out there. Where can people find your show? How can they get in contact with you? Because it sounds like you're really interested in hearing people's stories and stuff. Well, and if people have a, they have these stories and they want to get a hold of you, how do they go about doing it? Absolutely. I mean, if you have a story, you want to talk about a book, you want to talk about your own um, experiences or folklore, or I don't care if you do magic or if you knit something, whatever you want to talk about that's magical or you've had some sort of experience. My website is secretdoorpodcast.com. Um, all the podcast links are there. I also have a newsletter link at the bottom that I'm encouraging people to put their email list on so I can talk to you outside of social media. I, I am on, the podcast is on iTunes and all the regular stuff and YouTube. I've just started loading up on BitChute just in case YouTube goes crazy and starts removing weird stuff along the way because mm-hmm. they've been doing that lately. But I, I would say there's a contact page. I mean, I've got, there is the Facebook page, but there's the website. So you can always contact me through the contact form at secretdoorpodcast.com. It's the easiest place to go. I'm encouraging people to go to the website rather than social media. As we just talked about, social media appears to be the enemy of the soul. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you if we want to have a really good discussion, it, I, mean, God, I could put like campfire sounds in the background if everybody wants to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying me personally, like there's just something about sitting around a campfire oh, yeah. cut off from technology where it's like, okay, we have this fire to concentrate on, we have on each other. Let's just talk and share and, and bond it's in important. some way and have some kind of a human experience here. Yeah. You know, I think um, it's certainly important. And I think like like even just sitting down with tea and telling cards and sitting together, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I think something can happen there. Like I do that with my mom all the time. My mom lives far away. I'm actually going to visit her in July. She lives in Alberta in Canada. And sometimes I will FaceTime her. I do. I am thankful for technology and I'll tell her cards over FaceTime and talk to her because I haven't seen her forever, So, which is why I'm going to visit her. And you tell cards. Do you do tarot or do you use playing I, cards? I, I, I use the um, the Toth deck, but I, I'll practice. So I'm not like some pro, but I'll practice and do like, oh, what I feel like that. So we just have fun because that's something, like I said, that's our family members have done. And I just like, okay, let's do that. Let's, mom, do you, I'll just be talking. I'm like, hey, mom, do you want me to pull three cards or do you want me to do this? And I do use FaceTime because she lives far away. So there's mm-hmm. benefits, but I think I think it is um, it's definitely not the same as it used to be when I was little. And um, I can imagine from when I was little to 100 years or 200 years ago, I, it's even different. I mean, there's education. We've got education, and that definitely could change things. But I think it's I think there is something to people having intuitive visions or knowing premonitions of what's going to happen in the family. And, and of course, on the East Coast, it's known as Forerunners. Well, thank you, Melissa, for coming on here. Um, it's always fun talking to you. I, I I don't do it enough. And as I was saying off the air, if you need somebody to come on and, and help you on your show, you know, if you can send me, send me a message or, you know, if you need something, let, let me know ahead of time, far enough, I'll, I'd be glad to come on and give you a hand. Awesome. So, <laughs> Fantastic. Um, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. And if you could hang out for one quick second afterwards, I'd appreciate it. Will do. Say